City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate, Bach Lesnar. And today, Reese, we celebrate a Super Bowl win. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we pulled it off in, of course, Chiefs fashion, a Disney movie as always, down by double digits, coming back and and having a blockbuster Hollywood script finish. Uh, Man, Reese, it is amazing to be a Chiefs fan. We have won three Super Bowls. We've been to four Super Bowls in the Patrick Mahomes era, winning three. We'll talk about Dynasty. We'll talk about all that stuff. But Kansas City, congratulations on a Super Bowl win. We are so excited. We have so much to talk about today, but before we talk about and like celebrate, right? This is a celebration pod. We've won the Super Bowl. Um, we are recording this on a Thursday night, and last night or last afternoon, Wednesday was the parade in Kansas City. Um, so we would we thought that that we would talk uh, about what had happened. Um, at the parade, we know that there were actually, according to reports, there were three um, three shooters um, at Union Station. Uh, we have one confirmed death, unfortunately. Her name was Lisa Lopez Galvan, and 22 people injured, unfortunately, half of them under the age of 16. We're really sad. And being a parent, it's just like... It kind of hits a little different. Um, so yeah, we we wanted we, we want to send our prayers, our thoughts to the families, to Kansas City as well. I know that you know a lot of people were there. A lot of people are shaken up by it. So we want to say that we're here for you all. Um, really, really sad event that happened. Uh, but I think Mayor Lucas said, you know what? We're still going to have our parades. We're still you know things are still we're we're not going to let this define us. Kansas City is going to be strong. Kansas City is going to uh, um, going to be fearless going forward. So shout out to Kansas City stay strong uh please go reach out on like gofundmes i know there's some gofundmes for the for the galvan family and also for some of the children's that have received gunshot wounds so if you do want to help you can donate on on the on go gofundme and you'll see some of their stuff reese wants any anything before we uh kind of cap that i mean it's really frustrating and sad i think you know it makes it all the more frustrating and sad that it, it preliminary indications coming out is that this was just two people that had a disagreement and they started shooting, you know, which yeah, I, I know everyone says that like, we're better than that. We're better than that. Kansas city is better than that. And you know, it's like, I, I hate to say it. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't the South side of Chicago. This isn't East St. Louis. This isn't like, you know, downtown Detroit. It's like Kansas city. It's like, be better. You know, we, we should be better. So, you know, hats off. Did you see the video of the dude from Omaha who was in town and just like oh, yeah, that one tackle. of the shooters? Yeah, ex, ex-Marine, right? He, oh, uh, I didn't see I, that. I've seen, yeah, he's an ex-Marine. I've seen a couple of interviews. His last name is Contreras, too. His name is Paul, oh, nice. Paul, Paul Contreras, baby. I, I now name him Hot Take Mondo uh, Jr. <laughs> or Hot Take Mondo II because we have the same last name. There you go. There <laughs> no, you apparently, go. apparently people were like, grab him, grab this guy. And mm-hmm. Apparently one of them, um, sorry, trigger warning, but one of them actually had their jaw like shot off. Yeah. And like he was like, that looks that looks fishy. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, people were screaming to tackle him and he just got into like Marine zone and he tackled the guy and was able to hold him off. And then as he was tackling him, he like the guy dropped his semi-automatic and apparently he also had another gun in there. So they were like, we really got to contain this guy because it could get even worse. And I know people were like, well, how they sneak those guns into there and all this stuff. 
I hate to say it. There's a million people there, man. Yeah, guys. It's like, you ever played a Where's Waldo book? Like, I don't mean to trivialize this, but like, do you know how hard it is when you're on a time limit looking for something in particular? Like, the book's told you look for this dude. When you got a million people and like, you're not, it's, it's hard to find something that you don't actively know if it's even there or that you should be looking for it. So yeah. hats off to the first responders, hats off, you know, hats off to these guys that stopped the shooters when they did. And, you know, that's like a little, a little silver lining, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, apparently and and these guys like, you know, I hope that they 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 they, they throw the book at these guys because it was just uh, just crazy. Also, there were 800 police police officers in the vicinity of Union Station. So if you decide to have a dispute there, it's like, OK, like get ready to feel the wrath of the FBI, the CIA, the the cops. I mean, so unfortunate. Um, but luckily, there were so many law enforcement that, that they got on the scene within minutes. And and those children were actually able to reach um, Mercy Children's Hospital within 10 minutes mm-hmm. of the shooting. So, um, you know, unfortunately, because this happens in America, um, Kansas City did have a plan in place, uh, and because they had a plan in place, they were able to get all these people to the hospital. And um, you know, it's unfortunate that one person died, but only one died out of the 22 because of that strategic plan that they had. So, shout out to Kansas City Children's Mercy Hospital, um, Kansas City law enforcement, everybody stepping up and really making a difference. And you know, could have been a lot worse. So, um, hats off to Kansas City. Hats off to Kansas City. All right, so that sorry we had to start that in a somber moment, but we we're doing this podcast on Thursday. Of course, we have to address that. But Kansas City stays strong, and Kansas City. Hopefully, this podcast becomes something that you can celebrate, right? Something that will make us feel a little better in this time. And and yeah, let's 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 get to the celebration now, Reese. Actually, wh- why don't we? Why don't we pay some bills first, Reese, and then we'll get to the celebration. How can people follow us on social media or if they love our podcast, they can donate on Patreon.com. Yo, you can check us out on Instagram at Fountain City SM where we post updates, memes, and everything in between on the podcast and the Kansas City Chiefs. We're back in the saddle after a bit of a hiatus, so we we thank you for uh, tuning in for those high-quality memes. If you really like what you hear and you want to become a friend of the podcast, you can check us out at patreon.com backslash FCSM, where you get access to bonus content, including the last Dance Michael Jordan documentary breakdown, season zero, the COVID season, as well as Speedy and Angry, our 11-part in-depth deep dive of the Fast and Furious franchise. The Rad Russian, Alex Nikolenko, and I will be back in studio with another patreon exclusive here coming up shortly so stay tuned and get in on that even i don't even i don't know that what's going uh, it's on it's a secret it's a secret i'll announce it when it's the uh, first episode's cut but it's a secret is it a, is it another movie uh another movie review we have we have a yes yes but that's all i'm gonna wow. say wow well stay tuned and you have to subscribe on patreon to hear this juicy content this exclusive content that's going to drop pretty soon all right, Reese. Well, why don't we get into it then? The Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. We win twenty-five to twenty-two. I, I'm not going to say I'm surprised that it was this close because I'm really not surprised. Um, I'm definitely surprised about certain things, and, and and we'll definitely get to that. But Kansas City wins in overtime. I get there's a lot of things that happen in overtime as well. Uh, but Reese, why don't yeah, let's get into it, Reese. What what are some things that really stood out to you in the Super Bowl game? Uh, good or bad about Kansas City or the 49ers and we'll we'll get into it. So I just want to preface this whole thing by saying this episode is going to be full of celebratory hot takes and knee-jerk reactions. <laughs> so, you know, 
take it hey, with a bit Reese, of a grain we, of salt. We deserve a victory lap after this entire year, and us actually having a lot of great calls as Fountain City Sports Media. So I give you full permission to say the hottest of takes about anybody on either team. Go. So let's start out with the basics here. This was the best game the San Francisco 49ers played all year. I really do believe that. This is the best they're defensively and offensively overall, you mean? I I think so overall. I mean, the offense did the best they could against a day when our defense was just going to lock down everybody. I mean, I I can't believe I don't know the box score. I'm so lazy here. I'm going to pull the box score up. Oh, okay. I I get it. I get it. So your your argument is like against an elite defense, this is as best as they could have played and in fact the best they've played. Yes, 100% that. I see what you mean. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And uh, the defense in particular for San Francisco really showed up because I, I mean, they were on TV a lot this year. I saw a lot of San Francisco. This was the best game plan they had coming into this game. People executed, and you could tell that defense was playing with a little bit of extra pepper in the step because they wanted to prove something against the best defense in the NFL. Now, I can't help but say that I am more than a little surprised that less than two days, was it two days or three days after the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan decides to throw his defensive coordinator under the bus and fires him? Yeah, fires Steve's will. So here's a, let's let, let's talk about Steve Wilkes. Um, one thing that I noticed in the in the overtime, if you if you notice, um, Shanahan is calling timeouts during the overtime because of the looks that he didn't like Steve Wilkes doing. So apparently Wilkes was playing a lot of like cover zero and that middle of the field was really, really open. And there was a couple times where um, where Kyle Shanahan calls a timeout and you can see him on the headset probably saying you need to run something else. I, you know, we, we shouldn't be running that. And then they end up running something else that actually doesn't work anyway. And and what's crazy is I it's it's like every single time something goes wrong in in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan never takes the blame. No. He always blames someone else. Someone else is fired and and I think he started to panic in the overtime and then started to criticize Steve Wilkes. I'm sure this whole season they've had some up and downs, but you could really see it in the overtime, them going at it and obviously not being successful because you had Patrick Mahomes and you gave him the ball uh, second and not first, which we can talk about later. But yes, Reese, go ahead and continue to talk about Steve Wilkes. No, I, I just think kind of like you said, I know that he was calling audibles and like, getting out of some of the plays that Steve Wills called later on in the game. But as you pointed out, it didn't make a difference. And, right. you know, we know for a fact the plays that Shanahan audibled in there did not work. What we can't say for sure is that the plays that Steve Wilkes had called in also would not have worked. We can't say that for sure. Uh, so I think that was the biggest takeaway I had from this game. It felt like, if I had to summarize it, despite their play... I don't feel like the 49ers lost this. I just feel like the Chiefs won it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those games, and I've talked about this before in, like, years past, where when you get to a Super Bowl and you get to, like, two very, very good teams, you win by one or two mistakes. And, and San Francisco made... 
two huge mistakes in the game that really turned the tide. Because you're right, if, 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 if we look at the box score, we got Isaiah Pacheco averaging 3.3 yards on the ground for under 60 yards, played great containing Pacheco. Other than Kelsey and other than Hardman's big 52-yard pass, nothing was going for us. Rasheed Rice, only 39 yards on the ground. The guy that would have had more if, if Hardman didn't get that 52-yarder would have been Justin Watson. So Justin Watson, Rasheed Rice, Pacheco, Gray, MVS, McKinnon, Rasheed, all under 50 yards. Like they, they did a really good job containing them and a, and a pretty good job containing Travis as best as you could. So I agree with you. I think Steve Wilkes is a phenomenal guy. I feel like they had our number for the first three quarters and then finally the Chiefs got some things going the way. But to that point, the Super Bowl, when you have two elite teams like this, it's only one or two mistakes. Like, yes, the 49ers played well and even Brock Purdy, not that Brock Purdy's great, but like... But everyone else was really playing well, right? We had McCaffrey playing well. We had IU playing well. You know, all these guys. So, absolutely. An uh, an incredible... I thought it was a really good game. Both playing at their best. And the fact that Wilkes had only been there for one year, too. Like, there has to be more behind this story, right? Like, was there some sort of, like, dissension in the locker yeah, room? Yeah, it's gotta or? be drama. Yeah. You, no, I think it's gotta be Shanahan. Shanahan doesn't care about his locker well, room. Well, why didn't Shanahan then fire his offensive coordinator if he's gonna throw someone to the Wolves? Because we all know it's a lot like Andy Reid you know like the coordinator's not calling plays Shanahan's calling plays so right. dude who's who even is the offensive coordinator for the Niners right now off the top of your head I could not tell you I think I think it's Clint Kubiak and he's leaving he's going to the Saints. oh wait you're right it's Clint Kubiak okay yeah you're right okay <laughs> but still the fact I didn't know off the top of my head dude it's just another jag you know Shanahan's not gonna right. miss him if he throws him to the Wolves or like throw your yeah. special teams coordinator to the Wolves you know I don't care you know but and and look at and 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 look at Steve Wilkes' record this year. Like I'm just looking at some games, um, holding the the Eagles to 19 points, holding the Seahawks to 13 points, holding the Bucks, who actually, as in retrospect, we was a good team, holding them to 14 points. Trevor Lawrence holding them to three points. Cowboys holding them to 10 points. Cowboys sucked. You know, like these. Uh, well, like their 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 offense in the beginning of the year wasn't that bad, and it was week five at that point. I, I think the reason why it's so hard to grade some of these NFC teams right now. And I really hate to say it is that like the disparity in quarterback play between the two conferences. I think we can all agree the NFC was probably better than we thought it was going to be this year because I think they had better rosters Mm. top to bottom, but there weren't good defenses and there especially weren't the same level of quarterback play. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to assess the NFC because I thought it was 49ers Eagles and everyone else sucks. But then the Eagles started to suck. Um, and then the Lions really surprised me as I think they're a very, very good team and probably going to be Super Bowl contenders next year. Packers, I'm still not buying. I'm still not buying that 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 24, 21 uh, win against the 49ers. Dude, I am so on the fence and like not buying Packers yet. I, I feel OK. Here's the thing. I, As Super Bowl contenders, you're buying the Packers? I think the Packers are one dynamic player away from being, like, legit. If they Dynamic being, like, wide receivers, you mean? Probably. Um, I feel like they're a lot like the Chiefs, and they're kind of doing a wide receiver by committee right now. And I think, I think they're all close to playing at their peak right now, and I don't feel like it's quite enough offensively. I feel like they need one more dude. Like if Devontae Adams just decided, hey, I want to go back to Green Bay or something. It's like, yeah, then suddenly I'm like, oh, shoot, this is a good team. 
I think their defense is only going to get better too now that Joe Barry's gone. Maybe. I, I mean, I know yeah. nothing about this Boston College, guys. I, I'll just say by the end of the season, I thought Green Bay was playing some of the most balanced football offensively in the NFL. Uh, and that's what had me most curious about them come season end. I think Jordan Love is... I think he's a franchise guy. I'm not going to say he's a star quarterback yet, but he's, he's a franchise-level dude yeah. who seemed to show more upside sure. than... Can you name me an NFC quarterback right now with more upside? Like maybe Matt Stafford, Jalen Hurts? No, dude. We've I I don't think so. I don't. Jalen yeah. Hurts can't throw like Jordan Love can. I don't know. I think Jordan. Yeah, I, I think I think Jalen Hurts is better. And like, I don't think that Jordan Love's peak can be better than Jalen Hurts. I think he's really good. Really? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not buying Jordan Love yet. <sighs> All right. He's good. He's good, but but you're essentially saying that Jordan Love has the potential to be the best quarterback in the NFC and I don't think that's true. Really? Okay. He's good. He's good, but he's not Super Bowl right? I don't think yet. I don't know. It's a good it, it's a, it's a good team, but I think like the Eagles are going to come back. It's not like the Eagles are going to super regress. Eagles will be back, 49ers will be back. The line's going to be a lot better, I think. Um and then maybe the Packers four, but I'm not even looking. Hmm. But yeah, maybe maybe the fourth best team in the NFC. Maybe they play. They were interesting. I, I love me some balanced ball, and I think they were playing some of the most balanced ball come season end. Uh, That's fair. But all this to say, what were we even saying about the 49ers again? So I just think it's it's all this to say. It's like the NFC was kind of hard to gauge this year because if you had a top defense in the AFC a la the Ravens and you played an AFC schedule the way the Ravens did it's like yeah you held some good quarterbacks down if you did it in the NFC it's like congratulations you held Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff down <laughs> I guess so it's just hard to gauge yeah no that, that's fair um yeah okay we'll, we'll leave it at that but going but going back to the 49ers anything else you want to talk about with the 49ers defense I thought I thought they played a really good game. Like you said, I think it was just it was just those couple blunders. Uh, really, really great to see uh, the game-winning touchdown be a 49ers blunder. I thought that was a lot of fun. So, oh. so we had what what Andy Reid calls the corn dog with a little bit of ketchup and mustard. So he had originally. There's a couple things that happened there that I I was listening to Andy talk to Peter King, and it was really cool. Um, so he knew that. If they set up in corn dog, the 49ers are going to read it right away and know that they're going to run it because they ran in the Super Bowl, right? So what Andy did is Andy actually made it look like it was going to be a slant or not a slant, sorry, but the, uh, but the shovel that, pass that, that yeah the shovel pass or McKinnon was was going to go to the left, right? That he was going to grab the ball, go to the left, and they had left. Nick Bosa open because they wanted Nick to think that it was going to be a running play so that that side of the field is open and Nick's not going to cover um, cover Hardman and Andy was like I'm not sure if it's going to work in fact that I think we were first and goal at that point or second and goal first and it goal, was yeah. It, yeah it was first and goal so so Andy Andy's logic is like I, I think they're I, I I think I think they know what we're going to do but let's just go ahead and run it just in case and immediately the snap you you can see Nick Bosa like like running straight towards McKinnon and McKinnon just selling it perfectly leaving that entire side of the field open I mean just a just a really genius blunder um, made 
made by, I mean, made the 49ers blunder, but genius from Andy Reid to use a play that we used twice in the Super Bowl. Now we use three times in just a modified version because he knew it was, it was going to be successful. What a beautiful play to end the Super Bowl. Amazing. Yeah, seriously, way to mash up two of your most infamous plays into one to leave the other team not sure what they're covering. Boom. I mean, boom. It was incredible. I'm glad Andy pointed out it was corn dog. To me, it seemed kind of similar to that. Remember how, like, for two years, especially when we had Tyree Kill, this was the same play that Chad Henney used fourth, to beat the Browns. Fourth down rollout. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt a lot like that. Uh, you know. Let's bring up coaching again here. So we got Kyle Shanahan on one hand. We got Andy Reid on another. In your opinion, Shanahan's now been to three Super Bowls, right? One is the OC, uh, you know, two is the head coach. He's blown leads in all three, both as the head coach. And and all three double-digit leads. All three double-digit leads. And one in particular, when he was with the Falcons, his offense just stopped scoring and stopped working. Right. So, how much to blame is Kyle Shanahan here? Wow. Well, he's, here's here's something interesting that I uh, just kind of my own take. So let's go all the way back when he was OC and they were up twenty eight to three. Uh, the reason why they lost that game is because Shanahan was aggressive because Shanahan saw a mismatch with Julio Jones and essentially Bill Belichick at the 28 to three started to bait him and say, keep throwing it to Julio. And, and Shanahan wanted to run up the score when it was 28 to three, he wasn't playing conservative, wasn't trying. So in doing so, there was a couple turnovers going to Julio and momentum went Tom Brady wins. All that happens. And because of that, now Kyle Shanahan's MO is to play conservative with the lead. And you got a guy like Brock Purdy. You got a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo that it works in their favor to play conservative. Unfortunately, when you play conservative, it only takes one or two turnovers, which is exactly what happened in order for Patrick Mahomes to come back. So now you have this like crazy um, wheel of emotions for Kyle Shanahan, right? Used to be the aggressive coordinator. Used to be the guy that run up the score, screw you Bill Belichick, screw you Tom Brady. And now he's so jaded from that experience that now it's on the other side. We see him in overtime just trying to run the ball with with CMC, which actually is a good strategy. But again, it it didn't work because everybody was crowding the box. We knew what he was going to do. And plus, Brock Purdy can't throw it. So Kyle Shanahan is... I feel like I don't know what's going to happen to him. Like, I think he's going to have another like mental breakdown and say, okay, I'm either going to play conservative. I'm not going to play conservative. He's in this like big conundrum, but I'm going to say this, this one is on him for playing conservative because he was so ballsy uh, against the Patriots. Is it possible that Kyle Shanahan is vastly overrated? Well, I say, I, I say this, and here comes the Reese hot takes. Let's go. Would people view Kyle Shanahan as this same wunderkind if he weren't a Nepo baby? If his name was like Kyle Johnson, the head coach, offensive coordinator, Kyle Johnson, do people view him as big without that Shanahan moniker and his dad's legacy behind him? I don't know. It's tough it, um, because... I think that that Washington team that he was on right with all those guys, I think they actually did create something pretty special and pretty innovative. 
but again, I don't think what what is what is overrated about him is him as a head coach. I think I think that Kyle Shanahan is very cocky, and I think that Kyle Shanahan thinks he could do it on his own. And 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 we've we've seen that him going with Jimmy Garoppolo, him going with Brock Purdy when he had the opportunity to get guys like Kirk Cousins, to get guys you know that actually have some sort of a name, and not these guys that are backups. Right? Jimmy Garoppolo was a backup before he went to the 49ers. Brock Purdy was a seventh round pick. And Kyle Shanahan is so egotistical that he says, you know what, I don't need the quarterback. I just need me. And that is his biggest flaw. And that's why he is overrated. Because he thinks he doesn't need the help. Right? I can build all these guys. I, I can build all these, you know, they had, what, seven all-pro people this year. Right? Mm-hmm. They have all these elite talents, but they don't have the quarterback. And Shanahan goes, that's okay because it's my plays. This is my success if it happens. And you've and and you hear that from accounts with, you know, Mike McDonald. Daniel, you hear that from other uh, Sean McVay when when they do interviews and talk about what happened in Washington. That's who Kyle was. Like Kyle is a nepo baby, and he's and he's cocky because of that. He said like my dad's Mike, and like I got all these things, and that is his biggest flaw. He's he's not the guy that's you know trying to keep Steve Wilkes, who played really, you know who played a, almost a perfect game against Patrick Mahomes. That wasn't trying to get a guy like Kirk Cousins when he said, no oh, no, I got a guy like Brock Purdy. It's fine. He'll 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 be fine. Don't worry because I got my playbook, and I think that. That's his biggest downfall, and he has to be careful because t- the the clock may be ticking. That's a very good point. The Kyle Shanahan system really works well in a lab. Like if you simmed, just like went on Madden and simmed Kyle Shanahan's system every game, chances are all the algorithms and stuff say you win. What the system in the lab doesn't take into account is like we've kind of talked about when it's third and six and the play you call is well defended and things don't develop and you need someone to make a play where there's not a play there he's never really had that quarterback outside of i don't know maybe like rg3 but he's he's never had that quarterback matt ryan he had a plus side arm you know he could throw it but he couldn't roll out and scramble or like extend the play jimmy uh, jimmy glop garoppolo is galapagos Galapagos islands uh it's kind of the same way he was very good at standing in the pocket and hitting his read when it was there i think uh colin cowherd had like him and brock purdy's first 28 games side by side with the niners and their numbers were nearly identical Purdy had, I think, a few more touchdowns to a few fewer interceptions, but Purdy also has weapons and a Trent Williams that, you know, Garoppolo didn't have. Didn't didn't play well, by the way. He didn't. So that's like the one thing. You can see it in Miami, too. People are saying, you know, the Miami system and the San Francisco system are very similar, which is true. And who do they have down there? They got Tua, a guy that can hit your reads and can hit Tyreek when he's schemed open 15 yards down the field. But when it's third and in game inside the 15-yard line and Chris Jones goes unblocked and he's running towards you and your first inclementation is to just throw the ball away, that's where you even have to hand it off to like Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow would have stepped wow. up and climbed the pocket to get out and of the way out. or yep. Yep. found a receiver and lobbed it to him. You know, all this to that's say Shanahan has never had a guy that can do even something like that. So this isn't his system's final form, but 
it's almost like he's making it his system's final form. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dying on a hill, essentially. He's saying, you know what? I don't need the guy. I have Brock Purdy, win or lose. You know, this is it. And he also said after the game, he was like, you know, Brock, Brock Purdy's my guy. Brock Purdy played well. I mean, it's like Brock played as well as he could. Like he was, he was getting pressured a lot, you know, those those two mem- memorable moments were Trent McDuffie disguising the blitz, going at him and disrupting the play, and then of course Chris Jones. For for his offensive line not to pick up Chris Jones is probably one of the biggest blunders I've ever seen in a Super Bowl in in recent history. I mean to to not have one of your guys pick up Chris Jones in in the most important you know most important moment of the Super Bowl that can win the Super Bowl, and your offensive line decides to just like push Chris Jones because he thinks another guy got it. I mean, that's again, I'm, I'm not like a NFL aficionado, but that seems like a very simple mistake, something that like should be fixed and something that should not happen in the Super Bowl in the biggest moment. So also on Kyle Shanahan for not, you know, for not dotting, dotting the I's, crossing the T's when it comes to things like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, in your opinion, did your opinion of Brock Purdy change after watching him in the Super Bowl. Nah, like okay, <laughs> like okay, Brock, like like Brock st- stays in the pocket, and that is his strength and his weakness, right? We we saw it being a weakness for him on that third and six. Like you said, he could have rolled out, but he is he's like I said last week, he's very fearless. Like he'll he'll stay in the pocket and try to find his guy. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the arm to to find his guy. We only saw I think maybe one play down d- down the field like plus 20 yards mm-hmm. and it was for an like for for an in, incompletion. So Brock Purdy is who we thought he was, right? Doesn't make any plays down the field, although Kyle did dial up some plays to go down there. They were all unsuccessful because Trent McDuffie is a god and LeJarrius Sneed is a god, and it was great to see all that happen. But no, Brock Purdy, you know, played as, as well as he could. What are his stats? I think he's had like 200 yards. What did he have? Two, 255 with a touchdown and no interceptions. Look, that's... That's what happens when you have a quarterback that doesn't necessarily have this the arm, um, that doesn't roll out, that doesn't have the legs. That was something that was new. Well, not new, but when when he played the Detroit Lions, Brock Purdy, I think, had 60 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy didn't run at all. He had 12 yards on the ground for three carries. And that's something that... that I think the 49ers missed. If they if Brock would have used his legs in important times, I think this could have been a different outcome. But 3 carries, 12 yards. He he played as as well as I think he could have. I don't I don't if 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 here's a hot take. If I'm the 49ers and I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm John Lynch and whatever his name is Jed York, mm-hmm. I'm looking for Justin Fields on the oh market. Oh my gosh. Because if I'm a guy like Kyle Shanahan that thinks that I can like, you know, create nothing or something out of nothing, fine. Then take a Justin Fields who actually had a pretty good like four or five game stretch at the end of the year. I think he would work better in this offense than Brock Purdy. Take that, Reese. I mean, it's such a catch twenty two because you're saying okay, fix this guy, but I mean, like the the Shanahan system exists entirely on a quarterback being able to read progressions, and like we, it's been proven now, Justin Fields cannot read progressions. 
but field but fields has his legs and i'm wondering whether shanahan can dust off the old rg3 playbook Ugh. and come back to that and start to implement some things that he did with rg that's so disingenuous to rg3 because rg3 could read progressions rg3 could step up and throw like he it's not just in generous because Justin Justin Fields is a better runner than RG3. RG RG3 was like souped up Donovan McNabb. He had a better yeah, arm and he had better legs and he was bigger. Dude, it's like I would love souped up if we didn't have Patrick Mahomes and you could tell me I could have souped up Donovan McNabb, I would be there in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. But uh okay. Okay. Um that's 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 why it's called a hot take, Reese. It's it's, it's supposed to it's supposed to upset you. Okay. Well, speaking of hot takes, uh, sometimes we make hot takes on this show, and we need to cool off a little bit. We'll take a nice Montucky cold snack take back. And Armando, you got to believe I came tonight with a couple Montucky cold snack take backs. I actually have some Montuckies, and I wasn't going to drink because. I like had I ate some bad salmon yesterday, but you, but you know I, th- there is one guy that I do need to drink uh, Montucky for if we're gonna talk about them. Go for it. So got a couple Montucky cold snack takebacks here. First one, obvious. I got to give a shout out to the greatest defensive coordinator of all time, Steve Spagnolo. We should we should go back and, and listen to our like Tom Brady. Oh no wait, that, that that wasn't Spags, sorry. We should we should go back and listen to like the first season that Spags was with Andy, just like week five or six, to see what, what we were saying. To go from that to now saying the best defensive coordinator in NFL history. Here, Let me grab a Montucky result. Here's on. the thing though. Here's you can grab your Montucky. You got your headphones and you'll hear me yelling at you. He, here's the thing. <laughs> So, when Spags first hit the scene, he was better than, uh, who did we have before? I'm already forgetting his name. Hold on, it'll come to me. Uh, so, when Steve Spagnolo first hit the scene, he was better than Bob Sutton, which is all we needed with the offense firing the way it was at that point. Now, that season, in particular in the two seasons that followed, Spags had some really bad habits that usually almost cost us games or did cost us games, particularly his absolute refusal to bench Ben Neiman and Brad Sorensen. Ben Sorensen. Oh my gosh. Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman. Dude, they're so interchangeable, I can't even get their names right. Yeah, Reese. Reese is so goo goo gaga over the Spags new defense that he just forgot everyone from previous Chiefs defenses that he ragged on for years. Dude, they were so bad and he refused to bench them that Brett Veach said, you know what? I'm going, we're going to do this. I'm going to trade away our team's best player. I'm going to get you like Herschel Walker full of draft picks for him and you get to go out and you get to choose whatever players you want in this defensive draft. However, you have to eat the food that's on your plate. The guys you draft, you have to put on the field. Now, he was a little reticent early on. Initially, when he got guys like Willie Gay, he's like, I don't want to stop Willie Gay. I want to put Ben Neiman out there. It's like, you're wrong. He just needs experience. He just needs reps. But guess what? 
Willie Gay has been a pivotal part of this defense. And now that Sorensen's gone, we got a chance to get guys like Justin Reed in there and even a rookie like Cook, who is a baller now. I mean, I hope he recovers from his injury. Well, yeah, recovers, yeah. But the fact that he was able to give us what, in my opinion, is the best defense in the NFL this year. And he he did it overnight. Mm -hmm. This is not the same defense we had last year. might be the same players, but it's completely different. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah, Reese. I mean, we were so surprised that we beat that Jalen Hurts Eagles offense that was just rolling on all cylinders against, I believe, the youngest defense in NFL history to reach the Super Bowl and the youngest defense in the NFL last year. And I said with with you last year that this team is just going to get better because these guys are getting older, more experienced in a demanding Spags offense or sorry demanding Spags defense and you got guys like Legereus need playing all time right out of his freaking mind this year you got Trent McDuffie who played a perfect game against Debo Samuel let me let me read some of some of the stat sheets uh, with the 49ers Iuke holding him to 49 yards Debo Samuel 11 targets for three receptions on 33 yards. Shout out to Spags, the best defensive coordinator in NFL history. That alone, Reese, that alone is Hall of Fame right there. 11 targets, three receptions for 33 yards, Debo Samuel. That is how you win football games. I love this defense. It is one of the best defenses in NFL history. I hope that we can shape this um, and keep this defense. And we can talk about that. Chris Jones going crazy at the parade saying, I'm coming. He said, I'm coming back to Kansas City. We don't know what his contract looks like, but he's a, he's coming back. So get ready, Tweedledee and Tweedledum agents, because he's coming back. Did you see what one of the cats posted yesterday? Yeah, he was like, <laughs> cut cut him off, bartenders. <laughs> okay, so did you see what... Sweating bullets, man. Did you see what multiple defensive players were wearing yesterday on the stage? No. This in Spags We Trust? Yeah, dude. The in Spags We Trust shirt? Hold on. Let me see if this is the screen. We got to buy that. Hey, everyone. uh, This is another shout out to donate on Patreon.com. Dude, yes. uh, Donate on Patreon.com so Armando and I can get some of these hot, hot shirts. (laughs) (laughs) It's got the freaking Fist of the North Star eyes. The American flag. The, The fire lightning. I think, I think Justin Reed like made it. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. I think I, either Justin or no. I think it was. I think Justin Reed like designed it, and it was supposed to be this like funny joke during the playoffs. And then they actually, you know, they stop Lamar Jackson, they stop Josh Allen, they stop Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I, I want to get this one and have to explain it to my kid in six years. Um. Anyway, so. Yeah, Steve Spagnolo, greatest defensive Amazing. coordinator of all time. Uh for well, so this entire run of this year, it's it's incredible how much narratives can change in so many different factors just by this one Super Bowl win in this season as a whole. I mean, for example, the fact that Steve Spagnolo is now the only coordinator in NFL history to have four Super Bowls to his name. That's and wild. when you think about it, too, it's four Super Bowls and stopping the undefeated Patriots team in 2007. Right. So, I mean... Rand- Randy Moss, Tom Brady. Yeah, th- these aren't gimmies that he's gotten. 
And I mean, just the clinic he put on this year, it's like I said, it's completely changed my opinion on Steve Spagnolo, who he is, how he can scheme. Because that was another thing earlier on, not just the Sorensen Neiman crap, but the number of times it would be third and a mile. And he puts like cornerback three on their number one right. wide receiver and he gets burned one-on-one dude that that was like a spag special i think we called it the spag special <laughs> well i you know what i i'm actually gonna back spags in this respect where like spags has been the same guy this whole time it's just we finally have the personnel to match up i mean maybe we don't have cornerback three going up against debo all the time like yes now now sneed is like just shadowing the best wide receiver but to spags's point he never had someone like Sneed or the luxury of having Trent McDuffie next to Sneed so they can alternate when they need to. I think this is the first time that, I mean, I don't know his Giants teams very well, but at least in Chiefs history, this is the first time that he has assembled a group that really matches his scheme, something that Kyle Shanahan can't do, by the way. Yeah, so it's funny because my first memory now in retrospect of Steve Spagnolo was the Giants against the Patriots, but not the game you're thinking of. It was the final week of the regular season, and they lost 38-35. Now, the reason that's so important is because there were things going on in that game. I remember watching, hoping the Patriots are going to lose. Every week, I was hoping they're going to lose. And in this game, like, junior high, high school me saw that and said, oh, I'm like, that's really interesting. You know, like they really made Brady look uncomfortable. They got after Brady. I'm like, something's something might be there. So when they wound up beating the Packers in the NFC title game, who I thought was the only hope to beat that Patriots team, when the Giants went there, I'm like, okay, you know what? There was something in the last week of the season. I don't think the Patriots are just gonna like curb stomp these dudes. And lo and behold, Spag's got a taste of what he wanted to see. And in that Super Bowl, he shut that offense down for four. Points. Wow. Spags is the man. Spags is the man. Shout out to Spags. Let me take another drink of this Montucky because yes, we we all owe you an apology. Mm. Reese, why don't why don't we take a little break and why don't and then let's go back and we'll talk about the offense and this and then we can finish off with a bang, talk about the legend of Patrick Mahomes and possibly the greatest quarterback of all time now. Oh, that sounds, sounds good to me. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Open your beers. Enjoy a Super Bowl celebration. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs win 25-22. Three Super Bowls in five years, man. How? It's incredible. We'll talk more about that before. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is our Super Bowl pod, our victory pod. We are celebrating today. We just took down Kyle Shanahan. We just celebrated Spags. We just celebrated this elite all-time comparable to the 2002 Ravens Chiefs defense. And now we're going to continue on. Reese, since we have our beers out and since we already did one Montucky cold snack take back i know we got to do another one mm. and now that i'm chugging this beer i might as well just finish this beer for this next one so reese what is our second montucky cold snack take back so the second montucky cold snack take back, which is a, prov- a provisional one that i need approval from from hot take monitor pass all right here we go 
court is in session. Has McCall Hardman exonerated himself for everything that's gone on and made him worth his second round draft pick status? Hold on, hold on. Before we get to him, then we have three cold snack takebacks oh, then, right? For three? What? I, I didn't even know what yours was going to be. What's yours? Reese. Come on, Reese. Reese Reese and I have to do three of them, but we can... We no, Let's just talk about this one, and then we'll talk about McColl. It'll be short. MVS. Three targets, 20 yards with one Super Bowl touchdown. Reese. MVS is... Is MVS the unsung hero of the playoffs this year? No. But he is... A great comeback story. Uh, is he worthy of our Montucky cold snack take back of us saying he was Garbaggio? So, so yes, I will give MVS a Montucky Cheers. cold snack take back that I was too harsh towards the end of the season when I said we had to bench him. I think his absolute bottom out was who was it? Was against the Bengals where Mahomes threw him that like first down pass. It was a little dump off like right. three and six and like he dropped it and he's like no you should throw it you know a little bit farther this way and he was like no 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 you don't get to make that call at this point bud. Like you dropped that pass. The end. Yeah that was that was all time low. Now all we said was we just need him at this point to not be a net negative. We need him out there to catch one or two passes when dialed up and you know what? That's exactly what he did all playoffs long. I mean, he did at least, I can name three off the bat, three game-changing or game-sealing plays. Shout-out to MVS for truly proving us wrong, man. For us thinking we're ready to bench him, we're ready to drop him. Where he became an integral part of the playoffs and this Super Bowl. You know, winning, or sorry, scoring this touchdown to you know in the beginning of the game to give us some hope. Incredible by MVS. I stand corrected, although we'll talk about whether we want him for next year, but that'll be next week's pod. But for now, MVS, I was wrong. I thought you were going to drop so many passes this playoffs. I thought you were going to be the reason why Patrick Mahomes was in Cancun uh, last week or the week before that. And you proved me wrong, and now I'm going to sip a little bit more of this Montaki, baby. Shout out to you, Super Bowl champ, ring ring of honor oh, gosh. contender. <laughs> MVS. Get out of here. No, someone that infamously bad take, cannot baby. be in the ring of honor. It doesn't matter. Frank Frank the Tank Clark did the same thing. Playoff Clark. We got playoff MVS. Play, playoff Clark was never a detriment, ring, though. Ring of honor candidate. <sighs> okay. Marquez Valdez Scantley. Hot take. Mondo. Okay. 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 So here's back to my original hot take from McCole Hardman. Whereas I think. It was, oh, was it the Bills game or was it before the Bills game where I just said he was washed? I said the speed didn't seem to be there the way it used yeah. to be. I still don't think it is. Effort. And especially in the last game of the season when Blaine Gabbert was throwing dimes to him and he was adjusting and catching all these passes, I said, I'm so mad because he's never going to do that in the playoffs now. Well, I think he's done it twice in the playoffs. Uh, especially this game, reeling in that 52-yard bomb that although it didn't result in it's any beautiful. points, it was like, that was McColl. I thought it was Rice initially. Yeah, McColl, and he was and he was double-teamed. I mean, shout-out for Pat. For, that was a ridiculous throw, and, and we'll, uh, again, we'll end the podcast talking about Pat. But, I mean, for all that to transpire, McColl would have been the last person. I thought it'd be Travis, Rice, Justin Watson, even McKinnon. But... 
McCall Hardman. And and what what a story for McCall Hardman this year to go from the Jets, mm-hmm. right, thinking he's going to be a perennial wide receiver with with Aaron Rodgers to not even getting any playing time with the Jets when they have guys like Randall Cobb, when they have guys like Alan Lazard, and they have nothing to play for anyway, and McColl can't even walk his way on onto a like, wide receiver four on the Jets, for him to get dropped, for, for no one to want him, and then the Kansas City Chiefs to get him, then for him to have a slump coming into Kansas City, to then this epic story of winning a Super Bowl and having the game-winning touchdown. What a story for McCole Hardman. I don't know. Again, we'll talk about this next week. I don't, I don't know if we can carve a role for him in the future, but uh, this is the best possible outcome we could have had. Bravo, McCole Hardman. Now I will chug some more beer in your honor. Cold snack take back for you, bud. Now here's why it's interesting if it's finally time to kind of exonerate him from his draft status. Because if we go back and look at the 2019 draft, now the obvious names are there. DK Metcalf. You know, we could have gotten DK. We could have gotten, what was it, Terry McLaurin. Let's look at the wide receivers drafted ahead of him. In the first round, we have Marquise Brown getting drafted at 25. Lulz, lulz, uh, Next up. Don't, oh. don't lulz, lulz, lulz Marquise Brown because he, he may be a future chief. I hope he's not a future chief, dude. He's He puts the mid in Midwest. Uh, number two, Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry. Nikhil great. Harry is lols, lols, lols. Next up, familiar name, Debo Samuel. Okay, good job, Debo Samuel. Uh, going past that, A.J. Brown. Okay, wow. people like A.J. Brown. He's very solid. After that, McCole Hardman. Now, after McCole Hardman, we missed on Paris Campbell. We missed on Andy Isabella, D.K. Metcalf, Fine. Deontay Johnson. All the usual suspects. Now, out of all those wide receivers I named, how many Super Bowls are there between them? Two and McCall Hardman. Bingo. Wow. That's crazy. Two, two Super Bowl wins, and they belong both to McCall Hardman, and both times he Super was integral to the run. Yeah. Both both corn dog, baby. Look, I don't... I'd for what that was though, McColl didn't live up to the hype as to what we thought he was gonna be. We thought he was gonna be the the Tyreek Hill replacer. And of course no one can replace Tyreek Hill as we're now seeing he is the best wide receiver in the NFL and has been. Um, but for McColl not even to solidify himself as wide receiver two in this system, and then obviously this being the worst wide receiver group that we've ever had, and for him to be, be maybe wide receiver four, wide receiver five, I don't know if he's lived up to his contract or lived up to what we signed him up as, but absolutely integral, right? It shows up when it matters the most, so I'm not going to complain. Bravo to McColl Hardman, but I don't know. It would have been nice to have A.J. Brown. I mean... Yeah, I, I think if we if we swat, if we switch out, and this goes for our boy Ceh too. If we switch out McCole Hardman, this entire last five year stretch is a completely different tangent to the point that we can't even play what if. I don't think it's one for one. Well, if we would have drafted, you know, uh, if we would have gotten DK Metcalf or AJ Brown instead of McCole Hardman, we we would have run five straight Super Bowls. I can't say that. Because this two-year run is a result of, you know, the abomination that happened against the Bengals in the AFC title game when they realized they needed to reform the entire team. So if we sneak that out, we can't guarantee that these last two years happened. Maybe we win that Super Bowl, but peter out over the next two, you know? 
I mean, still would have been nice to have D- DK Metcalf, I think. I mean, you know, we'll see. Speaking we'll about see. DK Metcalf comparables, not someone that we need to talk about a lot on this podcast, but something that I predicted. I said that Noah Gray was going to have him, you know, a couple plays in the Super Bowl because people were going to be focusing on Kelsey and Noah Gray was going to get some time to shine. Two receptions, uh, both for 12 yards, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but when, when you have a backup, you know, tight end making those plays in a very... You know, in a very close game where anything matters, shout out to Noah Gray for having two huge plays, I think. Dude, did you see the rally yesterday? No. The team loves Noah Gray. Okay. Now, albeit, albeit they were all an entire bed, bath, and beyond worth of sheets to the win. <laughs> but there was a point know, where they Willie held... Gay Kelsey, my gosh. Dude, there was a point where the team held, on stage held Noah Gray up on their shoulders in the middle of all of them and went, Noah Gray, <laughs> Noah Gray. And he's just like, yeah. So... I tell you what, Noah Gray's ascension into a serviceable tight end two is a great thing to see. I think we all knew when he was drafted he was never going to be the Kelsey heir apparent. But how many great offenses do you see have a you know competent wider, competent tight end two? You look right. at Isaiah Likely at Baltimore. You look at the revolving door of tight ends they've had behind Hayden Hurst in Cincinnati. You need a good tight end too. We finally have a respectable yeah. tight end too. Yeah, and it and it gives Andy and Brett Veach some wiggle room, you know, before finding the heir apparent to Kelsey. Uh, they have at least a couple of years to kind of maybe give Gray some more snaps next year to then alleviate, you know, some snaps for Kelsey to you know keep some miles on him. So it's a really great one-two punch, I think, and I think we're going to see a lot more of Noah Gray next year because I think this boosts his confidence as well because he was always that like you know maybe Blake Bell is going to surpass him, maybe you know maybe Noah's not it. Where I think Noah's now solidified. I mean, there is no more Blake Bell. You know what I mean? Like he is solidified te two and showed up when it mattered most too. So shout out to our guy Noah Gray, man. Um, Let's see who else do I want to talk about. Well, actually, you know, we're, we're, we're this is getting pretty thick. So why don't we why don't we close it out with our? I, that's true. That's true. It's our Super Bowl. We're allowed to do our victory, but I I do want to talk about some heavy hitters now. We got our boy Travis Kelsey. 10 targets, 9 receptions for 93 yards. No touchdowns, but again, Steve Wilkes played very well against Kelsey. I I, I know it says 93 yards, but those were some very difficult 93 yards for Travis Kelsey. He was double teamed. He was triple teamed. And, and even when Greenlaw went out, like Fred Warner was still playing lights out against Travis Kelsey. So for him to still find a way for him to, um, you know, really have some integral plays in the Super Bowl. Shout out to our guy, Kelsey, man. We are we are so lucky to have him, not only because we get the the uh, the uh, Taylor Swift contingent from Kelsey, but uh, but Kelsey just played lights out. I don't think it's a big issue about this whole him yelling at Andy Reid. Um, of course, he could have handled it better. I, you know, I, I don't think that the best way you can handle it is to yell at your like sixty-some-year-old um, coach that almost like fell over when you yelled at him and kind of pushed him. Uh, but again, I think Andy Kelsey—they love each other. You know, they heat of the moment type of thing phil jackson mike michael jordan got into it phil jackson and kobe bryant bill belichick and tom brady like everyone everyone gets into it at some point i don't think it's that big of an issue shout out to kelsey man yeah and you know it looked really bad 
but it was almost like the trick play or onside kick of sideline decisions. Because, you know, whenever you're playing a game and you call a trick play or an onside kick, it, you, it, oh, it's only bad if it doesn't work. If it works, no one remembers it because it worked and you're a genius. Now, I'm not saying what he did shoving Andy suddenly like sparked the team, but because they were able to get past it, because Travis had such a good second half, because Andy straight up came out afterwards and said, said we do this to each other, and people have posted the clip from the Raiders game where Andy literally does the exact same thing to him. Right. He's like, come on, man. We lose. It's really bad optics. Right. We win like we did. It's completely nothing. And I think that Jason said it best on the podcast, uh, the New Heights podcast this week, particularly because Jason played with Andy, remember? But he right. said, you know, you crossed the line for sure, but you only got to that point because you guys have such a good relationship. Does that make sense? Do you un, unrelated? Do you do you think Jason plays in Kansas City? So, man, I, I I've been talking about this with some of the guys around the office, and this is probably just me and my tinfoil hat fantasy booking. How great would it be if we gave him the who did we have? We had Howie Long's kid, remember at right tackle? Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember his last name. Chris, yeah, we had him at right tackle. He wanted to be on the pup list, and we never used him. He yeah, was essentially he like had a, super he had a freak, depth. He had a like freak accident in the uh, offseason. Dude, if we could bring in Jason as backup, like backup center slash, you know, left third guard, string maybe. left right guard. Yeah. It's like, dude, we could pay him. He would never have to play. He would just have to stay in some modicum of shape. He could hang out with his brother. He could live in the best city on the planet. I don't hate the idea if he's a free agent i mean i it's just seeing him in all of his chiefs gear after you know leaving the eagles semi-retiring almost he hasn't officially retired yet it's just like again i don't even think it's tinfoil hat i I just see so much joy and not even from like his brother winning but like he loves the chiefs you can tell you can tell he loves being around the guys and he's at the victory parade or not the parade sorry but he's he's at like the after parties he's at all these things and i'm just saying like there is definitely a way to get him to Kansas City. There, there is absolutely a way that it could happen, and that he can get some playing time again. Tooney, you know, having his pec injury, um, there's there there is a lot of question marks on that offensive line, and putting Jason Kelsey, like like Jason did not show any fatigue last year. He he just wants to retire because he's getting older, but he can absolutely play. And I think, like you said, maybe an easier not that left guard is easier than center, but it's you know might be a little bit easier when it comes to coordination all the things you have to you know all the cadences you have to get with the with the quarterback there's absolutely a path man hot take you know it's screw it this is the the super bowl victory podcast hot take mondo hot take jason kelsey is going to be a chief next year Ooh, baby i love that i love that jason kelsey's the chief and also aj brown leaves the eagles and joins Chiefs. oh please man uh <laughs> There's okay. there's a lot of people wearing Kansas City stuff recently. It was him, and then also it wasn't T Higgins, but there was another wide receiver that was prominent that was wearing a, a Royals hat the other day. Anyway, we'll talk about it next week. Brandon Ayuk said he wanted to be a champion. Oh, that's right. There are some Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, apparently his family has been saying we're we're never coming back to San Francisco because Brandon's on his fifth year. 
And not not that he would hold out. Would would someone hold out their fifth year or no? Uh, nobody could get tagged. Okay. Yeah. And if you yeah, so I don't know what's happening there, but there's some drama there. Would love a Brandon Ayuk, baby. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Well, hey, look, we haven't even begun to talk about Patrick Mahomes yet this podcast. Yeah, I wanted to wait. And this I feel it, like baby. we got to talk about him, right? Let's do it. What are we saying? We have to talk about him, right? That's so stupid. What a stupid thing to say. We have to talk about Patrick Mahomes, okay? There. Let's talk about him. Patrick LeVon Mahomes, the greatest quarterback in NFL history, the greatest quarterback to to come back right from double digits. I forget what the stat is. I don't have it in front of me, but but Patrick Mahomes by far in comparison to Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Steve Young, Joe Montana. I think their average of comebacks from double digits was like 33%, where Pat comes back 80% of the time. Wow. And I think in this, and I think in the playoffs, he's undefeated with comebacks or like double-digit comebacks. Right when when we lost to the Bengals, it wasn't double digits, and then, well, actually maybe the maybe the Bucks, it was a double-digit loss. But, um, but all to say, Patrick Mahomes, no one comes close to Patrick Mahomes when it comes to being down and coming back. Right, and just just to see Patrick Mahomes be calm cool and collected when something like this is happening we've seen the opposite right against the bucks against the Bengals. but patrick mahomes is in his final form and he's only 28 years old reese mm. he's in his final form he comes into overtime and he says we're we are winning this game or he's saying i forget what happens but when when the coin flip happens uh, fred warner says that we are going to take the ball Pat's eyes go really wide and he goes, okay, fine. We're going to kick it this way. And he goes to his team. He's like, we're going to win this game. He has so much confidence, so much swagger. Yes. He had that underthrown interception, but it did not bother him. He said, you know what? It's fine. Shook it off and played an incredible fourth quarter and a con- an incredible overtime. We are so lucky to have Patrick Mahomes as our quarterback in Kansas city, the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think that we, well, we can have the debate, but I think now no longer we can say that it's like tier one Tom Brady, tier two uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, you know, who else you want to say. I oh. think now there is no longer a debate. He is in the tier with Tom Brady and there's no one else, right? He already has as many Super Bowls as Troy Aikman, as we love to tease, as Troy Aikman did that tweet a little while ago, three years ago. Patrick yep. Mahomes, man, what can you say? The one of the best competitors. We are we are witnessing greatness. Three hundred and thirty-three yards against an elite defense. Um, what else? Two two touchdowns, and then what I think was a fluke interception. I don't know what he saw there, but it just didn't look great. But didn't matter. Didn't matter. And also, he was. And just one more thing. He was getting rushed every single play. Our offensive line did not look good during the Super Bowl, Reese. Like he had no time to throw. Somehow he was still able to extend plays, but like nobody was open, and he had to roll out. And we know that that is not um, the best version of Patrick Mahomes. Yet, despite all that, despite all that that was happening, getting all that pressure, three hundred and thirty-three yards in the Super Bowl with two touchdowns. Touchdowns. All praise Patrick Mahomes. 
So what I said earlier on, it's so interesting how one game can change the narrative on so many different things. With this one game, and, you know, this season by proxy, in this one game, the Chiefs went from having a nice run over the last five or six years to a lot of people to an unarguable dynasty, dynasty, officially a dynasty. In one game... Patrick Mahomes went from people being able to be like, is he the best quarterback in the NFL? I don't know. I think X might actually be, despite the fact Mahomes has more MVPs and Super Bowl titles, to, okay, now we have to have a serious conversation. Is Mahomes top three all time already? We had a guy who went from being, he's probably already a first ballot Hall of Famer to, is he top three all time now? And this game in particular People had said this entire playoff run, well, he can't win a playoff game on the road. He did that twice. We had people saying, well, he shows up small in the Super Bowl because, you know, he only had one touchdown and two picks the first time and then like under 200 yards last time. He put up a game for the ages and threw up over 300 yards and two touchdowns. So it's incredible how the narrative in all of that can change with one victory if Patrick Mahomes retired today Hall of Famer and like you said top three quarterback of all time more Super Bowls than Peyton Manning Aaron Rodgers um, as many as Joe Montana right Joe had three or Joe's Joe's got four I'm pretty sure so almost uh, he's sniffing sniffing Joe Montana which again was before Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time you know him and Dan um but absolutely, there there is no question. And that's actually a great analysis. One game really does change it. And all the national pundits that were putting Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes have been very quiet since, as the Gen Xers say. They've been very quiet. Hats off to our guy, Patrick Mahomes. Well, and the one thing I like about that, too, is that like a lot of these pundits that are usually, you know, like TV personality clowns, like that's their entire bag is that after the Super Bowl, they all suddenly, like, the next day just got very serious. And like, so I know I say a lot of stupid things on this show, but, like, Patrick Mahomes really is the greatest football player we've ever seen, quite possibly. Like, it's like the switch turned off from I'm being my clown personality to, like, hi, I'm a sports analyst, and this is what I seriously think. It was fun to see everybody do that for, like, one day. I'm not going to lie. And I think this feels very similar As you pointed out, with Mahomes on the ground and MJ on the ground after winning that title, this feels very similar to the point where although, Lord willing, knock on wood, his career is maybe halfway done, maybe, uh, that it's like this. we might be able to crown this guy the best player we've ever seen, even though the career is not done and this person has more titles, you know, and this person has more MVPs, but it's like this might be the best player we have ever seen. I want to drop a hot take on us here. And that is that Patrick Mahomes and this team as a whole are better because they traded Tyreek Hill. Traded Tyreek Hill, he won two Super Bowls. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that they did it back to back, I think if they had kept Tyreek Hill, they would have kept doing what Miami's kind of doing and just like keep going back to the well and hammering that Tyreek button. And when it's a big play, it's hammer Tyreek. And if it's a clutch situation, it's hammer Tyreek. And if it's fourth and one, it's fine Tyreek 
versus now they're having to figure out yeah. ways to do it without having the easy button. And I think it's making them more multifaceted. Another thing you brought up with the wide receiver room is Pat having just this trasholio wide receiver core this year to play with. And people, you know, people always go to the argument, oh, well, you know, he had two Hall of Famers in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey when he entered the league. Yeah, but he hasn't had much ever since. People always say, well, Tom Brady didn't have anything. No, Tom Brady had a revolving door throughout his career in no particular order of Rob Gronkowski, of Julian Edelman, of Randy Moss, of Dion Branch, of who else are we thinking? Antonio right. Brown, Godwin, Gronk again, Wes Welker was in there. That's a lot of players. Rand- I already said Randy Moss. Danny, Dude, I mean, Danny And Amendola. it was a revolving door. Now, I'm not saying they're all incredible, all-world Hall of Famers, but at the very least, most of those guys went on to be what I'm going to kind of assume Rashi Rice sure. to be, which is a reliable number two wide receiver who's not a superstar. So Mahomes winning a Super Bowl being like, okay, who's his best wide receiver? Juju Smith-Schuster, okay. Now this year, who's his potential best wide receiver? Oh, gosh, you know, it's it's a rookie or it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That's yeah. insanity. That's insanity. Yeah, he, he, Patrick Mahomes goes from having the best wide receiver in the NFL and maybe, I don't know, Tyreek Hill might be at least top seven in NFL history, maybe wide receiver, top ten at least. Uh, all time, all top time. 10, ten maybe. I, I think he's one of the guys that when it's all said and done, I think he has more work to do. But I think he'll be yeah. top ten. If so he we're, keeps we're saying, horse. you know, maybe top ten all time to a rookie wide receiver being his wide receiver one. Rashi is great, but still. Rookie wide receiver, not Randy Moss, um, not any of the guys that you've just named in the Patriots, not Antonio Brown being at his peak, right? A rookie, Rasheed Rice, was the Super Bowl champion. And going back to your point, Reese, saying that this Chiefs offense is better for without Tyreek Hill, you're right. I I think think Corndog would have never been invented if we had Tyreek Hill. Sky Moore wouldn't have had a touchdown no. in the Super Bowl. McCall Harmon wouldn't have had a touchdown in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Uh, MVS wouldn't have been wide open this year, right? Against the, you know, in the end zone. Pat probably would have been looking for Tyreek at that point. And then we wouldn't have seen Corn Dog modified with McCall Hardman, right? All these were planned plays for these guys where if Tyreek was here, he would have been the guy or Kelsey. Well, and another thing I don't want to forget. Sorry, there's so many just like little Mahomes nuggets from this game that I don't want to forget. Mahomes essentially had two game-winning drives in this Super Bowl. He marched them all the way down the field in under two minutes to get that game-tying field goal. That was almost a game. Pardon me, almost a game-winning touchdown at the end of the game. And then in the Should in, in overtime, fight. he had a. Fo- he had a fourth and one he had to convert. He had that like third and seven or third and eight where he ran also, up the gut and he converted that for 18, 19 yards. Also, yeah, so, sorry, the fourth and one, triple option. Oh. Like going with, we, we've never, we ha- when's the last time you've seen Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid and Andy Reid offense run the triple option and they run it in the Super Bowl on the fourth down? Like that, that was freaking genius because no one saw it coming. They were like, what the hell are they doing? So I'm glad you brought up that fourth down play. Because for all the people out there, speaking of which, there's, there's been a lot of, seriously, I mean, there's been a lot 
of like nervous Gronk stance since Kelsey's been killing in these playoffs. So there's people that go, yeah, well, Gronk slash Kittle could block better than Kelsey could. Show me these blocking stats and metrics that are so important. Because if you go back and watch that fourth and one in overtime on that triple option play, who's out there throwing the lead block that gets Patrick like yeah. seven or eight yards yeah. on that play? It's Kelsey. I think that was against Fred Warner, too. Go figure. Kelsey's just locking down Fred Warner. But no, because he doesn't go out there, pick up Fred Warner, Batista bomb him, give him the people's elbow, and like pancake block him, it doesn't count as a good block. No, Kelsey just... That's the stupidest thing ever. That's like saying because MJ has the most consistent mid-range jumper ever that he was a bad shooter because he didn't have a three. What's wrong <laughs> with you people? Anyway, Mahomes balling it out. Fourth and one. You'll love to see it. Incredible. Uh, sorry, I, I went on a little tangent because you brought up Kittle. There's this recent video that just came out of Karloftis when he when he uh, snatched the fumble from CMC. Mm. So Kittle, so Kittle blocks him, and Kittle has a mic on. And Kittle thinks that the play is over. And Kittle starts to joke with with Karloftis and goes, hey, George, because they're both named George. And he's he's in a relaxed position. And George, while he says this and like says it very ironically and funny, uh, George Karloftis like nose dives into the pile and grabs the ball. If Kittle would have stayed present and like seen the play was still going, this might be a different outcome. So shout out to Kittle for always trying to be funny and actually ruining his Super Bowl chances because well, of you it. want to double down into that. Someone pointed out, I saw this on Twitter. If you go back and watch that play, when Kittle does dive into the ball, Trent Williams dives right into his right shoulder, which is the one he injured. Is it possible oh. that Kittle gave himself a stinger on that play, and that's why he was so ineffective for the entire game? Three targets, two receptions, four yards. And he left the game, remember, late with that. He went to the locker room for something. Maybe, although I did point out against the Lions, he also had a pretty bad game. So. That's fair. I don't know. So, I know Kittle, yeah, not showing up when the lights shine the so brightest. So, look, I love those tight ends. I love them when they crush dudes on blocks. It's fun to see. But, dude, there's a reason Kelsey's still standing and Gronk's body was made of peanut brittle by the time he was 30. Absolutely. It, th- there is no question, Kelsey and Gronk. The questions are now Kelsey and Jerry Rice. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's Kelsey and Jerry Rice. So, uh, anyway... I got to ask one last question for you. And this is kind of Mahomes related, kind of not Mahomes related. So now that we are officially a dynasty, I'm not going to ask you to rank them. We can talk about that later on. But rank the three Super Bowls for you. Ooh. Um, in what context? Like the, the, the best. Like if, if you had to, do, let's make this biblical. If you're like, okay, uh, you know, wh- which of my people gets to sit at the head of the table it's like who's sitting closest to you of those three super bowls got it um i think i think last year's super bowl was one of the greatest games i've ever seen in my entire life okay um i think that's one i think this game was two just because of how close we got the overtime um we have the you know an epic comeback and then i think three was the first super bowl although it's all really great stuff um 
Yeah, I, I, I think the just the first two of the games were so close, and particularly last year's Eagles game, I thought was just absolutely incredible. How about you? So yeah, one, two, three. You know, it's it's hard for me to pick since I think they all have really different feelings to them. The the first one was great because you know that's the one that breaks the seal, right? You know, you never right. forget your first. That was really great. The Eagles game last year, I actually was kind of lukewarm on for most of the game until afterwards when I saw a bunch of people take to social media being like, you know, why did the refs have to ruin possibly the greatest Super Bowl we had ever seen up to that point? So then when I like I went in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, that was actually a really good game. Like maybe if I didn't like Dude, it was dart after dart. Like it was, yeah. Yeah. Punch after punch. It was amazing to watch. But, but then this one. I almost feel like I had potentially the most emotional attachment to this one. Like I was, wow. I was emotionally exhausted by the end of this game, and I think part wow. of it has to do with the climb it took for them to get to this point in the season. From like we said, I was casting the team out. Uh oh, is this one more cold snack take back I have to give? <laughs> Yo, I'm almost done with this cold snack, so do it, and then I'll I'll chug the rest. Crush it. So it was first half of the first Raiders game where I said, hot take, these Chiefs might not even oh, make right. the playoffs. Oh, right, we're not making the playoffs. <laughs> now, albeit, towards week 16, 17, there was a little it, it's right. little bit of uncomfortableness right there if the ball didn't bounce our way. There was, there was that three-way AFC West tie that was getting scared. So I owe an apology, cold sack, take back to that. But by the end of this one, I think what's ironic is I think to th- like a, a non-Chiefs Eagles fan, I think last year's Super Bowl blows this one out of the water. I think to like a Chiefs fan or a Niners fan to a lesser degree, this game had way more emotional attachment and felt bigger than it probably did to the rest of the people that didn't care about the two teams. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. And of course, I know out of all people because you and I talk about this every week and we like we've gone through so many pains this year Ugh. right i mean even from the first game we we were very pessimistic that we would get anywhere after that lions game so for us to have the trajectory of actually winning the super bowl is truly uh, truly a gr- one of the greatest feats that i've ever seen but the reason why i don't put this one is because of a lukewarm performance from brock purdy yeah that's like fair. jalen hurts played absolute lights out mm-hmm. like jalen hurts was unfreaking believable with age and aj brown had his way with everyone which made it so exciting because it really pat had to be perfect pat literally had to be perfect against the eagles because they had the, <laughs> our, our defense was just so bad at that point well even, not that they were bad it's just like we played a good team that's yeah. no, a really good team yeah. where Brock Purdy like I feel like Spags had his number by quarters three and four where we saw a lot of kicks by you know Jake Moody Brock only having one touchdown right Brock having one touchdown um, for some reason again um, the 49ers decide not to run the ball a lot uh, CMC only 80 yards on the ground um, again one of my magic numbers being under 100 yards CMC 80 yards and we win the game but I just felt I was so underwhelmed by Brock Purdy mm-hmm. that maybe I didn't think we were going to win or like it was going to be like, you know, in the bag. But I knew that we always had a chance where with with Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, um, whoever that wide receiver number two is, I didn't know. I was just like, great. They just made an unbelievable play. Can we come back and do the same thing with Juju Smith-Schuster? I don't know. 
Um, so yeah, it was for me the Eagles game was more exciting, but I get it. This was absolutely more emotional because we had no reason to be in the Super Bowl and let alone win it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point. That's a very fair point. So all three of these Super Bowls have a very special place in my heart. I'm hoping that you know, Lord willing, maybe there's at least one more to come. Uh, but you know, I'm really thankful for the run we went on. I'm really thankful for the run we currently are on. And uh, how about them Chiefs? Yeah, actually, to to end it, why don't we talk about it? Three peak question mark. Ooh. It's it was it was hard. Nineteen years to do back to back. What are the chances that we that we three peat next year, or what has to happen for us to to three peat, Reese? The defense needs to keep up its level of play next year. Obviously, both sides of the ball need to have mostly clean injuries like they had this year. We we had some fortunate injury luck. Um, yeah, but yeah. Sure. We need to have Legereus Sneed on the franchise tag. We need to have Chris Jones on like a one or two year deal. So they, they both need to be back in a way that doesn't cripple the team financially short or long term. We need one more I would it doesn't need to be a star wide receiver but we need someone at least Marquise Brown oh, dude, baby no he's he's so mid he's so mid Reese he he has like the best favorites to be on the Chiefs next year just want to let Why? you know before I break your heart Why? dude he's slower smaller less athletic Zay Flowers why do people love him so much uh, anyway so we need we need one, I mean, good wide receiver. We need a someone that can take this offense to the next level. Um, I think we need a improvement at running back two over Clyde. So if that's you know Samaji P, not Samaji P, and Michael P Ryan taking a step forward, or Daenerys Prince becoming this guy that everyone told me he was, that I think is what we need in order to three peat next year. Yeah, I think that's kind of my huge laundry list of what ifs. Hot take Mondo here. Hot take. We are we are three peating next oh, year, baby. Geez. Pat Pat even said like while the celebration is happening, he says, Let's go get three. And that's that's what like the greatest do, right? You have him, you have MJ, Kobe Bryant, where they where they celebrate, but like within the celebration, they're already thinking about the next championship. And that's when you know you are like an elite player and you're an elite competitor. I can already see Pat hungry. I see Travis hungry. I see Chris Jones hungry for uh, another for a three-peat. And, it, and uh, I see Andy Reid hungry, right? Andy's not retiring. He said he's going to come back, going to try to do the three-peat. I just feel like this is a special group, and they really do feel like family, right? They, they all do truly love each other, and like they have great chemistry. And this is the type of team that can three-peat, right? You have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who is Michael Jordan. You got a guy like Andy Reid, who is Phil Jackson. You got, you know, crazy guy like Chris Jones, who could possibly be Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Um, you, you, you just have this like core group of guys that if they come back, right, if Chris Jones comes back on a cheap deal, um, absolutely this could happen because of everyone else, right? You have the NFC 
are does does this inspire the 49ers to come back is is Brock Purdy really the guy that's going to win the Super Bowl for you I don't know right is it things seem pretty volatile with the 49ers mm-hmm. uh going into 2024 but they are the Super Bowl favorites according to Las Vegas so I feel like the volatility with the NFC also makes us even better right do we know what the Eagles are going to look like no do we know what the Lions are going to look like no I think the Lions will be better but we there is no juggernaut right now I I think that there is no like spooky ghost in the NFC we know we can beat the 49ers and and if we play an inexperienced team like the Lions I think we stand a good chance in the AFC do we have the ghost of Josh Allen anymore no do we have a spooky ghost like Lamar Jackson anymore? No, we've we've defeated these demons. The only guy that I might be scared for is the Joe Burrow Bengals coming back. You know, a healthy Joe Burrow and this if they're able to maintain T Higgins, um, you know, Jamar Chase, they they could be you know a competitive team. But if that is the only team that I'm afraid about as a Chiefs fan then we can absolutely three-peat next year, and I think we will. I'm glad to give you the Bengals a shout-out because I do think next year is going to be a very all-or-nothing year for them because they can franchise yeah. tag T. Higgins, but you know they're pro- they'll probably lose Boyd. They don't know what's going to happen to Mixon. The big question for them, I think just as big as you know, what's Joe Burrow going to look like coming back is can they refine form on that defense that they really lost this year? Yeah. Lost a lot in the secondary. I mean, that Bengals defense prior to this year wasn't to the level of like our defense or the Ravens defense this year. But that was a nasty hard defense, which I mean, really became very mid this year. A lot of teams were able to walk on them. I think I think the Bengals still have a great defensive line with Hendrickson and um, and uh, Hubbard. But yeah, their their um, their secondary is definitely depleted. Where they have to find some. But um, I'm not counting out Joe Burrow. Um, I know I don't think that he's you know an an elite quarterback. I know I make fun of him a lot. But but Joe's not going anywhere, right? And and he and he has a year of rest. But again, going back to my point, if that is the team that I'm scared of, then I think it's absolutely possible that we threepeat and become. Very scary. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, Joe Burrow is mobile Brock Purdy at this point, right? I mean, kind of the same thing. And a better arm. I think he has a better yeah, arm. He's, yeah, too. he's got a better arm. Rise is trying to get a rise out of you. <laughs> but no, I mean but it's it's the I took it I took it seriously though, because I don't like Joe Burrow. I'm like, yeah, you know what, you're right. Maybe a slight edge over slight Brock. Slight edge over Brock and arm strength. But I mean it's the similarities really are there in terms of like their progression quarterbacks that have just like a, a bevy of weapons to throw to. Difference being Joe Burrow can roll out and extend a play, like we were talking about earlier in this cast, in a way that Brock Purdy can't. Can't right? Yeah, he can use his legs, and he'll have a year of rest, so it'll be fresh. Um, yeah. Anything else, Reese? Am I? I feel like I'm forgetting one thing, but dude, I mean, we got all off season now to talk about this. We got next week to talk about what we true. missed this week. Oh, actually, actually, what I what I did forget is I my I preface that three peak question is what has to happen for us. I think as long as we can maintain Legarius Sneed. I think we're okay with not having a deal with Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones, you know, incredible. But I think, I, I, I think our offense, or sorry, our defense really comes from that secondary. And if we can lock up Lejarius Need and and uh, McDuffie again for next year, like I think that's what builds that championship. And then 
And then we have to get another wide receiver. Rasheed Rice has to be wide receiver too. He's incredible, but I think if he becomes our second threat and we have a perennial first threat, uh, it's going to be unbelievable. Again, we won the Super Bowl with a with a rookie wide receiver and one of the worst wide receiving cores. All we need is just a stud. We just need one guy. It doesn't have to be uh, the the uh, the uh, T Higgins of the world. It doesn't have to be a you know DeAndre Hopkins of the world. It can be a first round pick that will be a stud, right? It can be a young guy and just dual threat that person with Rasheed Rice. Um, so it's honestly for me, it's not a lot that we have to do to, to three peat. Not a lot. Man, oh man. Fingers crossed. It'd feel real good. Feel real good. No nope. cans. Oh, go no ahead. Never three peated. That's true. Yeah. That's why it'd be huge. The 49ers never the the Joe Montana. Guys never three-peated. They, they were weird. They won like five over the span of like fourteen years, or they were like the they were like the uh, the Spurs, like the Patriots. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Remember Tom Brady? It took him ten years to win that second one. Yeah, dude, it took him ten years. He went into he went into big hibernation after losing that 07 Super Bowl. Oof. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us. This has been such a a fun podcast for us. We've won the Super Bowl again. And the fact that Reese and I can like do a podcast and say that we are a dynasty now and that Patrick Mahomes is up there with Tom Brady, if not better than Tom Brady, is such a pleasure for us to say and just like. It's it's really surreal to say, right? As Kansas City Chiefs fans, we've gone through so much before Patrick Mahomes, and to be at the point where like people are calling us the New England Patriots of the 2020s is just unheard of. So we are so thankful to be doing this, to be Kansas City Chiefs fans, to be talking with you all, to you know be in this community. Thank you for listening during this whole year to go on this journey with us, right? From the crazy times to the unbelievable times to now the greatest of times, winning our third Super Bowl. And Reese and I have documented all of it together, which has been a lot of fun. Thank so thanks, Reese, for being on, on the side with me and uh, and just having a great... This is so fun, man. We are, we're Super Bowl champs and we get to document yeah it baby thank you for being here through the highs and the lows and the everything in between you know it's been a, it's been a heck of a run hopefully we can keep it going it's been crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not done. Also, even though the, the NFL season may be over, the Fountain City Sports media season has just begun. We are going to talk about free agency. We're going to talk about, um, you know, all the, you know, cuts. Who are we going to cut? Who are we going to who, who are we going to sign? A lot of great things. And then after that, we have the draft. We have we have some of our pundits like like Sam Kuyper Jr. that are going to come on and talk about the draft. And uh, we have a lot of great things coming up and then we we might even talk about some more beer that we haven't done in a little while so we are just getting started here at found city sports media so stay with us through the off season because we're going to have some great content again donate on patreon.com um, if you do uh, love this podcast because we love you and let's do a final a final for the 20 to cap the 2024 season the super bowl kansas city chiefs and kansas city chiefs fans let's do our final let's go chiefs three two one let's go chiefs Chiefs. we'll see you next week we'd like to thank you for joining us today on fountain city sports media this podcast is brought to you by listener support so consider becoming a friend of the podcast check out our patreon page at patreon.com backslash fcsm to gain access to premium content including outtakes 
bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Thank you.